0: I've come too far. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm old enough to remember, and some of you, I'm gonna date myself, I'm old enough to remember, some of you will have no recollection of this. But I'm old enough to remember whenever we had rabbit ears on a television set. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And it just depended on what was going on that day. Because if, if you didn't have those position just right, all you would get is a bunch of fuzz and static. But when you would get those positions just right, the picture would come in nice and clear. And the problem with some of us is we come in, I'm, I got you young people, I haven't forgot about you. I, give me a second. Sometimes we come into service and we, we, not, we don't have our antennas positioned just right. We're too busy worried about what happened yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow. And we, we get our mind off of Jesus and, and our, our arms can't go up and our mouths don't respond and our hearts aren't in tune. And so the picture gets all fuzzy and staticky and we think that God's not really speaking. We just aren't positioned. Amen all right, young people, I told you I was coming for you. And I'm also young enough to realize that if I'm not in the right position, I'm not going to get a signal on my cell phone. Every once in a while, I go to a place and I have to kind of like, come on, where's the signal at? Where's the signal? Oh, there it is. Sometimes young people, you come into the house of God, you need to just where is it, God? I want to I tune in today. I want to have clear reception today, God. I want to be plugged in. I'm not so concerned about my Wi-Fi, but I'm concerned about my Wi-Fi. Amen? I want to go higher. I want Jesus to touch me in this place. Why don't we just lift up our hands one more time? Why don't we just tune in? Hallelujah to what he's doing in this service. Hallelujah. I'm going to wait on you, Lord. I'm going to trust in you, Jesus. Everything may not be going right in my life right now, but it's under your control, God. I place my life in your hands. I'm tuned in to what you want from me, God. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to trust in you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know what's best for me, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Maybe you remember Captain Scott O'Grady. O'Grady was a U.S. Air Force F-16 pilot shot down while enforcing a no-fly zone in the Bosnian conflict. Six days he spent hiding from the enemy search parties, and he, he, he basically survived on leaves, grass, ants, and rainwater trapped in Ziploc. Uh, little packs and he prayed and he hid and he prayed recounting his experiences later in a book he described the six days as being one long prayer from the moment he was hit he prayed God please let me be ejected safely parachuting to the ground he prayed God please help me land safely hiding behind a tree root from Serbian search parties he prayed God please let me survive while hiding for those six days, he prayed someone would hear his emergency radio broadcast that he may be rescued. His prayers were answered. He ejected. He landed safely. He remained hidden from the, the search parties, and his radio signal was heard. Salvation came in the form of a 40-plane armada on orders to rescue the downed pilot. When a marine helicopter dropped from the skies to where the radio signal was being emitted, the pilot saw a man run from the underbush. And he, they barely had the, the, the time to open the door. And Captain Scott O'Grady lunged inside shouting, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Today, he's a retired uh, military serviceman. He was a student at Dallas Theological Seminary. He speaks all over the nation in, in that event that happened so many years ago. And in this interview, he says these words. He said, If it wasn't for God's love for me and my love for God... I never would have gotten through it. God's love for Scott and Scott's love for God. Tremendous bookends, faith, hope, and promise. I want you to hear something today as we turn to the book of Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 23. These are the bookends of promise found in the gospel of Matthew. Matthew 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And I know some of you are like, Pastor, Christmas is over. It is. But that's not where Matthew ends. Then if you turn over to the last chapter of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, and you read verses 19 and 20, You read where Jesus says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Bookends of Matthew's Gospel. Very interesting that it starts with God with us and it ends with I am with you. I want you to know that you can live between the bookends of promise. Lord Jesus, in this house today, I pray that you would speak to our hearts from your word, that we would hear clearly from you, God, that we would be tuned in to what you're speaking into our life, into our circumstance, and God, that we would respond accordingly, and we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. 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 Matthew puts interesting bookends on the gospel here that bears his name He begins with a Jewish Messiah, one who will save his people. I love that. I love the the fact that uh, it's very specific that he will save his people. It ends with a global savior, not just one that will save his people, but one who will reach the whole world. He begins with an incredible birth, and he ends with an incredible resurrection. He begins with strangers coming from afar seeking Jesus, and he ends with people going into the entire world seeking strangers. But the foremost bookends offered by Matthew are the ones that we read here. He begins with the promise, Emmanuel, God with us, and he ends with Emmanuel promising, Lo, I am with you always. I am framed by his promised presence. The godly have always been assured of the presence of God. Genesis chapter 21 and verse 22, it began with Abraham. People noticed that God was with him. In Genesis 26, 24, he promised Isaac, I will be with you. In Genesis 28, 15, he promised Jacob, I will be with you. In Exodus three twelve, he promised Moses, I will be with you. And in Exodus thirty three fourteen, 14, he promised Israel during her pilgrimage, I will be with you. God promised his presence and it frames his people. Before our mothers saw us for the first time, God saw us. After our families lay us to rest, God still sees us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He is He's with us. I don't, I don't know what you're going through right now, but He's with you. I don't know what the devil's lied to you about this week, but God hasn't forsaken you. He is with you. He promised, I will be with you. Amen. The Old Testament called the God who was always there, that called Him Jehovah Shammah. The God who is a present help in the time of need. We speak of abiding in His presence, but not only do we abide in His presence, but His presence abides in us. He is with us if we are with Him. Second Chronicles chapter 15 and verse 2. If we will abide in Him, amen, anything is possible. Because not only are we in His presence, but He is... Oh, I wish you would get this today. Amen. I wish somebody would understand. If we will abide in His presence, His presence will abide in us. Amen. And by that presence, we find peace. Somebody say, peace. God told the apostle Paul what he also told the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 41:10 and Acts 18:10 he says these words he says quit being afraid i am with you i want to i just got to shout to somebody today quit being afraid god is with you stop being fearful god's got this come on somebody look at your neighbor say god's got this stop being afraid Amen, the same God who spans the Testaments can cross any divide with you. He is not uh, weak. He is not uh, uh, feeble. He is not on the, uh, on the other side just you know, just hoping that you will fail. And some people get this mindset that God has maybe walked away from them or God has gotten uh, away from uh, where they are. And, and, and I can tell you that if, if it feels like you're alone, it's not because God walked away from you. If you feel alone and you're not feeling peace, maybe you need to get back to Him. He never walked away from you. He promised He would never leave you. So you need to get back into the presence of God. Because in His presence we find favor. Somebody say favor. What do a prison guard and a palace guard have in common? When a blessed young man named Joseph enters into their employment, the favor of God comes down upon them. So what happens when you have somebody, amen, who is in the presence of God. Somebody who will abide in his presence is always going to have favor. Amen, I told my children just this week, I said, you are going to have favor with God. You are going to be blessed by God. I wish somebody would hear me right now. And I told them, I said, the reason that you are going to have favor, the reason that you are going to be blessed is because you put God first and because you are faithful in your giving and because you consider spiritual things in your life, you are going to be blessed by God. You are going to have his favor. Why? Because you care about being in the presence of God. And sometimes when you hound, don't let the favor of God and what people say and what people want to insinuate. Amen. uh, Don't let that stop you from having the favor of God because of the presence of God in your life. Joseph's brothers tried to destroy him. They couldn't stand the favor of God that was upon him. And there are people in your life that can't stand the favor of God that's upon you, but don't let it stop you. Don't let it stop you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You might have to be sold into slavery. You may have to go to Potiphar's house and be lied on. You may have to go to the depths of the dungeon, but I'll raise you up because you've got favor. Come on, somebody. If you know there's favor on your life, why don't you stand up to your feet and say, I've got favor because of the presence of God in my life. I don't care what hell's tried to tell me. I don't care what the devil said to me. I've got favor in my life and I won't back down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not going to apologize because God has favored me. I'm not going to apologize because God has blessed me. Man, I'm, I'm not who, I, who I'm going to be, but I'm not who I used to be. Amen. And I'm not gonna make excuses for how good God has been to me. He's been better to me than I deserve. Amen. By his presence, I find promotion. This is what happens. When you're in the presence of God, amen, you find promotion. You see, Moses, he he faded from the scene at Mount Nebo, but God took his humble protege, Joshua. And he promised that he would be with Joshua and that he would exalt him. Because when God's presence is upon you and when God's presence is in you and you abide in his presence, you will find promotion. Uh. Some of you in here, and I I, I wish I had the time to go into it, but there are some of you in here that because you have... Surrendered your life to God, and you have determined I'm gonna be in the presence of God. Amen. I will abide in his presence all the days of my life. I'm gonna I'm gonna give my life to him. Amen. Come what may, I'm gonna serve God. I'm gonna live for him. I'm gonna be what he wants me to be. God has favored you. God has promoted you not just, not just with people, but God has promoted you in positions. He's promoted you and given you jobs you didn't deserve. He's given you paychecks. Come on, somebody that were above your paychecks grade and God has exalted you and sometimes we get to think and we got there by ourselves. and sometimes whenever we're not there yet we think well God when is my time coming but if you'll stay in the presence of God there's a promotion come on somebody there's a promotion coming your way just because you get promoted doesn't always mean you get a pay raise Sometimes your promotion is God just trusts you with more responsibility. But you be faithful. You stay in the presence of God. And you watch if God doesn't take care of you. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. And we will stay in the presence of God. We'll find power. Amen. How did 12 ordinary men turn the world upside down? They went everywhere. The Scripture says the Lord working with them. Mark chapter 16 and verse 20. They went everywhere. The Lord working with them. Oh, I want it to be said about me at my funeral. Man, God was working with him. I, I'm telling you, I don't know how he did some of the things he did, but God was working with him. If you'll stay in the presence of God, you will find the power of God. The power of God will work through your life. How did the lowly, despised nation of Israel shatter her opposition? God was with her. Amen. In Bible days and even in modern days, it's a miracle that Israel exists. But yet God has favored Israel. God has promoted Israel. I can tell you, amen, that Israel has the power of God. Not because of who they are, not because of what they've done, just because he chose them and he favored them. But I, I want to tell you that anybody who chooses to be in the presence of God, anybody who says, you know what, I'm going to live in his presence. I'm going to stay in his presence. By his presence, you will find his power. And not only will you find his power, but you will find safety. Look at your neighbor say, safety. Amen. Jacob, you're walking into a golden cage from the moment that you will be cared for, but you're going to be taken care of. But you know what? What's going to happen is Pharaoh is going to arise. There's going to be a Pharaoh that will arise and persecute your people. But don't worry because God is with you. You think it's going to be okay. You walk into everything, but you know what? Some years are going to pass, some times are going to uh, change, and Pharaoh's going to rise, and, and things aren't always going to be so good, but guess what? I've got you. And the Scripture said that he had a preordained time. He had already fixed how much time he was going to put up with it, and the Scripture says that God was with them, and he brought them out of Egypt. Yes, yes. You're going to go through some things and you're going to have some times and you're you're going to wonder, why am I facing what I'm facing? If God really loves me, well, you know, that's what the devil speaks into you. If God really loves you, why are you dealing with some of the stuff that you're dealing? Because sometimes we have to get desperate enough, amen, like the children of Israel did, to cry out to God. The Bible says that he heard their cries. Can I tell somebody today, if you're in the midst of something and you don't understand what's going on and why you're being treated the way you're being treated, quit crying out to Facebook, cry out to God. Amen. Cry out to God and say, God, I need you. God, I don't understand what's going on in my life, but I trust you. And in your presence, I find safety. Paul, be at peace. You're on a storm tossed vessel driven by the storm and God's angel comes to the great apostle. And he says in Acts 27, 23, Paul, it's going to be okay. Man, how many of you like to see an angel in your storm? And we, we, we heard a preacher preach uh, just this year. He was preaching about, and he said, man, they had all these, you know, they had seen Jesus. They had seen the resurrection. They had seen all these things, and they had all the proof. And we just have to accept it all by faith. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, God, you know, you gave them these angels that appeared to them, and you gave them this, and you gave them that. And, well, why, why wouldn't they serve you? Why wouldn't they trust you? And the the verse keeps coming back to me, greater are them who having not seen yet believe. Amen. I believe that he's going to be with me. I believe that no matter what I go through, he's never going to forsake me. I've got safety in the presence of God. And by this presence, I find completion. I find completion. God promised a captive Israel that uh, he didn't start this thing to not complete it. Isaiah 43, 5, he said, I began this, I'm going to finish what I started. Amen. Paul declared that we are complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. I I like what uh, the the letter to the Emperor uh, Hadrian in the second century A.D. that was written. This is what it was written about the Christians. It says, these Christians who know and trust their God are prepared for anything that comes their way, for they believe that no matter what happens to them in the future, their God will always be there. That's what they said about the early Christians. It didn't matter what happens to them. They, they know and they trust that their God will always be there. We're talking about people who are being ripped apart and people who are being fed to the lions. and eh, Come on, somebody. People who are being hung up as Roman candles in the streets and, and all kinds of horrible, gruesome things that happen to these Christians. And the scripture, the the, the, the letter says it doesn't matter what happens to them. This is not a... A gospel writer, this is just somebody talking about it and say it doesn't matter what happens. They believe their God is going to be with them. Man, I want our generation to say that about the crossroads. They, they know no matter what they go through that God is going to be with them. That's how they can face their trials. That's how they can face their struggle. That's how they face their difficult situations. They know no matter what they go through that God is going to be with them. He didn't bring them this far to leave them. Amen. He's going to take them all the way through. He's going to see this thing through to completion. Amen. Amen. Man, I can't help it, I'm I'm framed by His abiding presence. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 in the message says, You have one Master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Our lives are framed by the promises of God. Look at your neighbor and tell them, say, your life is framed by the promise of God. He is the alpha. He's the start. He is the omega. He's at the finish. Amen. I'm confident of God's beginnings. I rest in the God of endings. But it's the stuff in between. If we're really just being honest. I believe that God started this. I believe he's going to finish it. And that excites me, but it's all that in between that makes me tremble. It's it's kind of like a flight, <laughs> you know. I know, right? And so you taking off, Sister Judy, uh, Brother Bill, they're taking off today in the rain. I know, you know, when I get starting to take SDF, I'm I'm at the airport and planes starting up and it's going down the runway and I know. We're gonna take off. We're gonna be in the air shortly. And I know, hey amen. I'm gonna arrive wherever it is I'm arriving, if it's Orlando or Phoenix or wherever you're gonna be arriving, you you know, man, I'm gonna get there. But it's that in-between time. <laughs> it's not the it's not the getting started and taking off that I worry about. And it's really not even the landing that I worry too much about. I might bounce a little bit, but I'm gonna be okay. It's all the in-between. What happens in between? It's when I hit an air pocket, you know? we're well, Please buckle your seatbelt. We're going to have some turbulence. <laughs> Do you know what? We all have turbulence in our life. Amen? And there's going to be things that come at us that we're not ready for, so just buckle your seatbelt. Amen? Trust that the pilot knows he's going to get us there. But the problem is What do I do in between? And I'm challenged most in my life by the in-between. I believe that God is able. I believe that he can. Amen. The opening chapter of Matthew says God is with us. The closing chapter of Matthew says he is with us. Between those two bookends resides the most commonly uh, used gospel of the early church. And this is what they understood. This gospel, like no other, shows the conflict between Jesus and the religious snobs. Matthew reveals the turmoil of a future world and he expands the sufferings of Christ. And it's the in-between stuff that really challenges you and I. I've seen people come and and they started out doing well and they had a fervor and a fire and a uh, they, they had a hunger to be in the presence of God. They wanted to be whoever God wanted them to be. And I, I, I believe, amen, that God has his hand on their life, and he's with them, and he's in their life. And, and I know, I, I believe that God is going to keep them, and they're going to be saved, and, and, and it's going to be okay. But, but what worries me sometimes is the in-between. You did run well, Paul said. You did run well. You started out well. But someone hindered you along the way. It's not the beginning. Oh, you started out great. You got out of the blocks. Everything was going well. It's the stuff in between. Amen. It's not the pain or the peak of the mountain, Abraham. It's the climbing of the rough side of the sacrifices mountain. It's when God takes, and we didn't want him to when he doesn't do exactly what we thought he would do. 12 noon and 12 midnight. 12 noon is the middle of the day. Midnight is the middle of the night. These two in-between times can prove difficult. At noon, the prophets of Baal collapsed. Their source uh, was exhausted. They had a good beginning, but they couldn't see it through. At midnight, five foolish virgins ran out of oil. Their source was exhausted. They had a good beginning, but they couldn't see it through. At noon, Saul of Tarsus was struck down on the road to Damascus. He has gone as far as he can go, but his source is exhausted. He had a good beginning, but he couldn't see it through. At midnight, God strikes the firstborn of Egypt. Their magicians had taken them as far as they could go, but their source was exhausted. They had a good beginning. They couldn't see it through. It's the destruction that wastes at noonday. It's the heat and the opposition when the sun is at its meridian. It's the midlife crisis that humbles mighty David. It's the midnight cry of the coming king, will oil be in our lamps? Are we alert? Are we prepared? Do you understand that in the in-between times, our source is tested? Have we been drawing on a fountain that never runs dry? Have we got that hidden strength, that the hidden resources, the hidden power, or does it just knock the wind right out of us? We have great difficulty, I think, in holding on to the promises of God whenever things hit. I know. I I figured right about here it gets super quiet because it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. It doesn't matter. What's going on right now? You, you, you all can relate with the fact that, man, you have been on fire for God. You've been excited. You know what that is like, what that feels like. And, man, and some of you know you're not there right now. And you wonder why when things in life just like circumstances and trials and tests and fights just pop up in your life. And you wonder where all the fire went. You wonder where all the excitement went. And you wonder why it's so hard. We have great difficulty, I believe, in these times, holding on to the promises of God. Our doubt makes our grip weak. Our fear makes the promise slippery. I know a few people fall at the beginning, and sorrow of sorrow, some people will turn aside right before the end, but more people fall somewhere in between. More people, it's not that they're, I mean, they they've they've started living with God. They've turned from their sin. They're doing pretty good. But and it's not really, sometimes it's not even a major sin or worldly pleasure that pulls them away. Sometimes it is, but most times it's not. Most times it's just something stupid somebody says to them at church. Can I just get where we really are today? Sometimes it's just a disagreement with, I don't, I don't believe that. I just don't think it. You know, Pastor, I don't know that I agree with you on that, so I'm going to find me another place to worship. I mean, the devil can't take you out because the promises of God are yea and amen. He is faithful. He is ever faithful. And, And it's not going to be the devil that takes you out. It's going to be your own thinking that says, wait a second, hold on, hold on, I just, I don't know. It doesn't suit me. It doesn't make me have the fuzzy feel goods anymore. So, because of that, I think maybe. There's something missing. And it's that in-between time. It's, it's that, that slippery promise. We, we knew God had something for you. We knew God wanted to do something with our life. And, and I'm going to say this in, in the fear of God. There are so many ministries sitting in this building right now. I wish you could look around and see what God wants to do with those that are in this building right now. I wish you, I wish you just had just a little clue of what God wanted to do with your life. I wish you could just get a glimpse of what God has in store for you. Because if you did, it might change the way that you're living right now. Mm. So much potential. So much promise. And yet, we're stuck in the in-between. The psalmist speaks of the terrors of night. He he talks to us about the destruction that wasteth at noonday, midnight, and noon. The in-between times is what gives us trouble. It's the mess at the meridian. It's the halting at halfway. It's the misstep at midway. It's the uncertainty. In the middle of the garden, Satan asks, Yea, hath God said? It's crazy how he still uses the same line. He's still using the same tricks. Trying to get you to doubt God, trying to get you to doubt the love of God and the power of God and the promises of God in your life. In the middle of people's lives, they give up. In the middle of the struggle, they throw in the towel. And It would just be easier if I went back to living the way I want to live. In the middle, Abraham runs to a strange country, and in the middle of Christ's passion, Peter retreats to the fishing hole. Some halfway through Paul's missionary journeys, Demas notices the bright lights. Achan, on the cusp of entering into the promised land, he he thinks to himself, I haven't gotten my piece of the pie yet. Don't you give up. Don't you settle for less than what God has for you. I, I, I wish I could look each and every one of you in the eye today and I could tell you God is with you. God is with you. If you will stay with God, God is. Look, look me in the eye. Right? I wish you just looked me in the eye right now. God is with you. I want you to understand this. You cannot be apart from God unless you choose to be apart from God. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I've got plans for you. Plans of peace. I've got plans to prosper you. I've got plans for your." I wish you would hear me today. God's got good things in store for you. You will make it. Tell your neighbor, say, you will make it. You will make it. Come on, I wish you'd preach it at them right now. Just tell them, say, you will make it. Amen. The song said it today. No matter what, what you're going through right now, you will make it. Amen. He is ordering your steps. The steps of a good man and woman are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in his way. I know I made some mistakes. I know that I've gotten off the path sometimes, but he's ordering my steps. Amen. He's bringing me back into alignment. He's putting me where I need to be. Come on, somebody. Turn to your neighbor say, you're going to make it. Mark doesn't have it in his gospel. Luke doesn't have it. John doesn't have it. Matthew has it. Matthew has it. It's a word. It's a word for the church. And Jesus said in Matthew that he would build the church and hell's gates would not subdue it. There is something faithful that you can cling to. I I want you to know that, that even when everything else in life disappoints you, he will not disappoint you. He will not fail you. He is faithful. Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, he is faithful. And I've got faith in his faithfulness. I, I've, how, how many of you have seen a, a bookshelf that has bookends on it? Anybody ever seen a bookshelf with bookends? I mean, bookends are like the coolest thing, Right? Somebody a long time ago gave me some really old, they're, they're Italian, they're like, I don't know, alabaster or some sort of hard material, but they're horses, and on either end of uh, one of my sets of books, whenever I had all my books out, I, I moved, so I put all my books away, and I'm not dragging them all back out yet, because i would probably move again soon, so they're, they're put away, but, but when I had my books out, I had the horses on either end of my books, and It didn't matter. You could walk by and shake that bookshelf real good. Those books weren't moving because they were held up by the bookends. (laughs) They they had bookends on either side. and, And so if the bookends hold firm, the books stay standing. We are upheld by faith in His faithfulness. God in His loving kindness prepares for His creation Uh, those in-between times. He's got bookends to help with the in-between times. The times when, if you didn't have those bookends, it'd be kind of unstable. You know, you might flop one way or the other, but you got the bookends and because you have the bookends of His promises, amen, you've got for the in-between times, you've got for the noon and for the the midnight and for the winter seasons and, and for flu and cold and come on somebody, you've got the book ends. You've got his promises that hold fast and hold firm, and you can trust in his faithfulness because he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I want you to just anybody anybody know anything about deer? Anybody know anything about deer? A couple of you. All right. There's have you ever heard of the, the white-tailed deer? You ever seen one? We saw one not too long ago. It had this big long bushy white tail. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And And I was just kind of amazed at it. And during the late summer, the deer begins to lose its lightweight summer coat for an ingenious winter coat. Each of the hairs on the the winter coat is a hollow filament made like a a vacuum bottle. And they're uniquely designed to retain the deer's body heat against the cold. Without a conscious decision, the white-tailed deer gets ready for the winter blast. it's just what god does it's just i don't understand it i know it's it's creation and its nature but here's what blows me away if god gets the deer ready for winter and there's not a sparrow that falls that he doesn't know about it god there's 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 that example and there's a billion examples of how god prepares Nature for the seasons and, and all the different things that go on. I mean, you, you look at the, the, the worst things in our world. Some people are like, man, these oil spills are horrible and we're polluting and we're corrupting. Did you know that there is a natural organism that eats the oil that is spilled by the tankers? We didn't create it. We didn't come up with it. God already had it in place. It was already in the ocean. Well... I know y'all are thinking I'm you know, off my rocker here, but let me just ask this question. Why would God not do for you what He does for the deer? If God can prepare the deer for winter, will He not prepare you? God is faithful when we feel the chill and we feel the crush. He is there. He will not leave you alone. He will be with you. In one of the weeping prophets' lamentations, Jeremiah says this, In Lamentations 3, 19 through 24, reading from the message, he says, I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one thing I remember, and remembering, I keep a grip on hope. That's what the scripture says. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. And he says, I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. I'm sticking with God. Uh, When everything else fails, I'm sticking with God. When, When everything is going good, I'm sticking with God. It doesn't matter what comes my way. Amen. Come hell or high water, I'm sticking with God. He's all I've got left. The writer of Hebrews said, He who promises faithful, Hebrews 10.23, and what God promises He is faithful to perform. Look at your neighbor and say, He's faithful. We can trust in His trustworthiness. You know what? If you're not hearing me today, it's because you don't want to hear me. If you don't want to believe this, that's on you. His word is forever settled. It's done. I'm not changing it. I'm just telling you what he says. He says, I'm not going to leave you. You can trust that I will be trustworthy to you. So why should I say I can't when a faithful God says I can do all things through Christ? Philippians 4.13. Well, why should I say that I can't? God says I can. Why should I fear when God has not given me a spirit to fear? 2 Timothy 1.7. Why should I be weak when the Lord is the strength of my life? Psalm 27.1 Why should I give in to the enemy when greater is he that is in me? First John four four. Then he that is in the world. Why should I accept defeat when God leads me in triumph? Second Corinthians two fourteen. Why should I fret when I can cast my care on Him? First Peter five seven. Why should I be confused when God is the author of peace, not the author of confusion? First Corinthians fourteen thirty three. Why should I feel alone when Jesus said that He would be with me? Matthew 28, twenty eight twenty. I wonder if somebody in this house is seeing a pattern. God said, look, I've got you. Don't worry about it. I know you're going through some stuff, but don't worry about it. I've got you. This is going to be okay. Woo! Look at your neighbor say he is faithful. You remember what Esther told her uncle Mordecai? She said, you know the rules. I can't go in. I can't go into the king's presence uninvited. I just can't go in. Well, those were the rules. I mean, she got around it anyways, and the king showed her favor because she had the favor of the king, the real king. But guess what? I have good news for you today. The king calls for you. He tells you, I am with you always. Come into my presence. If you'll just come in, you'll find peace. You'll find joy. You'll find rest for your soul. You'll find the power. You'll find the favor. You'll find the safety. You'll Come on. You'll find the purpose for your life. You'll find the meaning for your life. You'll have understanding. Oh, I wish somebody would hear me today. You can live in the bookends of his promise. As I come to a close, Scott O'Grady said of the six days, Behind the enemy lines, he said, I could feel the prayers of people praying. I could feel the prayers of people. Can you feel the prayers in this building? Some of you, that's why you're here today. Most of you, that's why you're here today. Somebody's been praying for you. Oh, somebody's been praying for you. Oh, don't get nervous. (laughs) Don't get nervous. Somebody's been praying for you. That's why I'm here. Somebody prayed for me. When I wanted to go wrong, somebody was praying for me. When I thought I was going to lose my mind, somebody was praying for me. There's prayers being prayed. Amen. Somebody is calling your name in prayer, and the God who promised to be with you at your beginning and your ending, He is now ready to help you in the in-between time. Oh. He's with me. I know he's going to be with me in the end. He's with, me. he's with 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 me. And he said, the whole time, the whole you can't get away. I'm there. I'm, I'm always there. And, and the only time that we ever feel alone is whenever we walk away. And we, we find ourselves avoiding the presence of God. We find ourselves doing whatever we can to escape. Somebody say escape. That's what you try to do sometimes. You try to escape the presence of God. It could be for selfish reasons. It could be because there's so much going on in your life and you just get distracted and you're like, I just need some me time. And and there's all kinds of reasons. But what happens is then we get on the outside and we wonder why everything falls apart and why everything is so messed up. And he's like, hey, hey, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. You can trust me. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. There are things going on in there, the families in this church. There are things going on in in the the overall big picture of this church, and and God just sent me here today to remind us, He's with us. He's not leaving us. He He promised He was going to be here, and He's never left us. From from the first moment, Sister Cooper, from the first moment, Brother Shrum said, "You know what." I believe Radcliffe needs a church. And he said, I'm gonna I'm gonna start having services in my home. From the moment that happened, Sister Cooper. And thirty, how many years? Two years? Three years? Thirty-four years ago. That's that thirty-four years. Whew. Thirty four years ago. You and little Leanne walk in with baby, baby Joshua. Just crying and whining. Throwing a fit. Walked into Brother Shrum's house. Having a church in the house. Sister Cooper, he was with you. He was there in that house. I wish somebody would hear me today. He's going to see us all the way through. When they're having church next door, they finally get the building built. Brother Strum. He goes and does missions work. Brother Mills shows up. Brother Mills used to walk around this property, and he would tell the people that were meeting, the small group of people they had meeting next door, he'd say, someday we're going to build a church building right here. And he would walk it out for them. He'd say, it's this, this going to be the corner. We're just going to face the street here, and then we'll put the parking lot here, and have Sunday school rooms there, and this is how everything's going to be. The bathrooms are going to be over there, and There were people there that they told me, they said, I couldn't see it. (laughs) I couldn't see it. (laughs) Brother Mills, he was here. He was here. Brother Shrum, he left. Brother Mills, finally after they had the building built, he left too. Went back to Indiana. Indiana. Brother Medlock came. Some of you know Brother Medlock was here for about three years. And Sister Rivera, you remember, you were here. Sister Jackson, Brother Jackson, you guys were here, you remember. Vanessa, Miguel. We were baptized right there. Brother Medlock. He was here. Who was with us? Brother Medlock left. My family and I were expecting our firstborn. Traveling all over the country. My wife was out to here with Julia. Somebody said, they need somebody to preach in Radcliffe. I said, okay, we'll go preach. Got here and felt like God was doing something. Eight people, you guys were here, you remember, Jackson's, you guys remember? Eight people here, they installed us as pastor. The first week I got a letter and they said, you're going to have to close the church down because you didn't finish the parking lot like you promised you would. Oh, goodness. God, what are we going to do? We don't have money. We're not. We're barely even paying our bills. How are we going to do this? Sister Revere. God was with us. A couple of years ago, we looked up and there's cracks all over our drywall and kind of crazy things going on. And there were some people that they said, "What are we going to do?" And I, I said, "I don't know. This is not my thing." <laughs> Some people say it's my church, but it's not my church. It's his church. And I'm just living between the bookends of the promise that he will never leave us. He will never leave us. Now baby Joshua and his wonderful wife Jessica, they're getting ready to go pastor their own church. And I'm so excited. I'm so happy for and there's some days where I'm I'm like, yes, this is gonna be awesome, and then other days like, oh God, what am I gonna do? <laughs> I don't want to do ministry here without Josh and Jessica. I want them to be here, and so my struggle, I'm 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 dealing with things, and I'm I'm asking God, God, you're gonna have to help us walk this out. You're gonna have to help us get there because I I don't know how this is gonna go, and then. Uh, I know it's God's will. I know it's his plan. And then I got people saying, well, pastor, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Oh, I'm sure. I'm not sure how it's all going to work, but I'm sure. Because as God has been with us, Joshua, he's going to be with you. They've got the same promises that we have. This church is not our church. It's His church. It's His plan. It's His will. Amen. And God's got this. And we don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry. And in our humanity, sometimes in the in-between time, we get a little confused and a little, oh, I don't know. So He sent me here today to remind you, have faith in His faithfulness. He's been good. He's been good. Man, if this church hadn't been here, Sister Geta, if this church hadn't been here, you wouldn't be here. Pastor wouldn't have a wife. Man, that'd be messed up. In walks Jessica, who looks older than she really is. He falls in love for the first time. And it would take years to realize that vision to come true. Never say never. Because you just don't know what God's going to do. And today, some of you are going through your own personal crisis. You're you're in your own in-between time. And you're wondering, how's this going to happen? I just want to remind you, this thing didn't start out with, with stage lights that show me when my glasses are dirty. No. And it's not going to end with this. It started with God being with Brother Shrum. And it's not going to end until he's ready. And every ministry that gets sent out from this church, every, everything that God does, whatever God has for this church, He will be with us. Amen. Would you stand with me? You might be going through something right now, but you can call on Him. You can trust in Him. But Pastor, you haven't faced the loss that I've faced. I don't know that any of us could compare to Job. I don't know that any of us have bragging rights on the pain and the grief that we have endured compared to Job. And Job said this when his wife... Oh, wonderful wife that she was. You know, destroys, God allows all of his children to be taken. Satan destroys all of Job's children, but doesn't touch the wife. There's a lesson in that there too. I'm just... Job's wife says, Job, why don't you, why don't you just curse God and get it over with? Why don't you just walk out on him? I mean, look at what all he's allowed to happen in your life. And some of you are feeling sorry for yourself because of something that has happened for you in your life. And you think God has left me. God has forsaken me. God doesn't really love me. That's a lie. The devil's a liar. He he is telling you that to try to confuse you. He's trying to get you off track and off balance. God loves you. And this is what Job said, and I'm closing. He said, though he slay me. Last thing I got is my life. Even if he takes my life, I'm still going to trust him. I'm still going to trust him. Because everything I have and everything I am belongs to him. So even if he chooses to take it all back, I'm still going to trust him. I wish today and I hope today that we have that same mentality, God, no matter what we have to go through, no matter what it takes, you promised you would never leave and I'm not walking out on you. This altar's open today. Why don't you trust him? Why don't you call on him? If you're in the in-between time, why don't you find a place today and say, God, I, I, I'm, I'm sick of where I'm at. I'm tired of being in this place, but I'm going to trust you where I'm at. I'm going to trust you in this trial. I'm going I'm to face this through the storm because you are with me. And you promised you would never leave me. Come on, don't be shy. Step out of your seat. Come down to this altar. Talk to God and say, God, I surrender it to you. I turn it to you right now.